0: Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics Up Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is the Freight Tech Roadmap with my friend Thomas Deacons. How's it going, Thomas? Oh, great. Thanks for having me on and happy to be here. Thank you. Joe. Thank you. I appreciate you being on. So, Thomas, I met you because uh, we were introduced by a friend and we were just talking before we hit record. We're both going to be at Manifest coming up here in a few weeks. I'm looking forward to it, looking forward to seeing if my audio and video friends are actual real people. I hope they are. <laughs> so, th- Thomas, please introduce yourself and your company where you're calling from today.
1: Yeah, thanks, Joe. Uh, good morning. So my name is Thomas Deacons, and I have a consulting company, not not a flashy name, Thomas Deacons Consulting, LLC. I uh, just launched that. And, um, based out of Knoxville, Tennessee. Yeah, And even though you just started the business, you've been around the block,
0: you've been at all the big dogs, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. And I think it's interesting because w- w- before we hit record here, we were talking about some of the, the challenges. And we, we call it the technology roadmap, but it's really the we do see a whole bunch of new technology and we have problems related to it. I mean, the smaller companies that are coming on developing tech want to make sure that they're not targeting last year's trends, last year's problems and and acting as if they've reinvented the wheel. There's also shippers and 3PLs are struggling to buy the right technology. And by the way, every salesman will tell you exactly the right technology to buy. (laughs) (laughs) And and then last but not least, we're talking about a whole bunch of the industry leaders who, you know, I've worked at industry leaders and the challenge with that is, is, not keeping up with the market and you go, well, you know, Kroger uses our system and Costco uses our system and, and you think you, you, you've got it solved. And then you find out, Oh, well, they're using it cause it was already implemented. <laughs> right. And the new guys are looking at you like you got two heads. So there's a lot of problems with the technology as that roadmap. If we go down that road of technology There's a lot of places that you can go astray.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I think if you look at, and to go back in in my intro, I've been in this industry for over 30 years, and with over 25 of that being in freight tech in some form or fashion. And I think that's exactly right. I mean, I've worked for some of the largest companies in freight tech and some startups. And we, we definitely have three things going on there. And you hit on those but the first one is is that companies being whether you're a shipper or an LSP and i'll use the term LSP because three pls brokers etc they're looking to buy technology or to advance on that roadmap right and so th- there's that the second one is there's the companies like you just said who are more mature and the question is are they in touch with the market and are they able to pivot and make changes because of the disruptors that are coming up And then the third piece is just that. It's the disruptors. It's the startups who are coming in saying, I see an issue. I see a problem. I've got the solution. Now, how do I take that to the market? And how do I gain market share and take it away from the big guys, right? And so we've got three different, I guess, areas to focus on. Yeah, and again, every every area has its challenges because
0: if you're on one of those big battleships and you say, we've been doing it this way for a long time. And that's why we're a billion dollar player. You're like, yeah, but that doesn't mean you're nimble. That doesn't mean that your system appeals to the the buyer who's 30 years old, who doesn't doesn't relate very well to your message that might seem dated. That's right. We'll come back to that. So you mentioned you've been uh, around for 30 years. So you just started your firm. Tell us a little bit about you. Where would you grow up? Where would you go to school? Give us some career highlights, just the bullet points, because God knows we could do your career for the next
1: 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, uh, I'm i originally from Tennessee, and I grew up in a little town called Pikeville, Tennessee, 2,000 people.
0: <laughs> so is that, is that Pikeville proper, or is that the Pikeville metropolitan area? <laughs> oh, that'd be metro
1: for sure. <laughs> yeah, a town that had uh, three traffic lights at that time. But, you know, growing up in a small town like that gives you a really good foundation, and it did for me, right? And then I went off and, and was lucky enough to be able to go to a four-year university, which was University of Tennessee. Nice. Get my go get, balls. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And get my undergrad there, and that was in 94, so now I'm going to start giving away my age. And I launched right into the industry. And, you know, I had one of the best mentors ever and stayed friends with her up until she passed, and that was Dr. Mary Holcomb. And Mary was known throughout the supply chain industry. She's an icon. And Mary, I remember going to her office and sitting down, and I had several offers at that coming out, and supply chain had not even been coined yet. That word was not even there. It was either logistics or transportation. And so I had offers for companies that wanted me to work in the logistics side of the business, and and. And then I had offers on transportation. And I said to Mary, I said, you know, what, what should I do? And she said, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Let's write down the pros and cons of everything. We did. And then she said, at the end, I'll just tell you this. It's easier to go from transportation to logistics than it is from logistics to transportation. She goes, because you will get the foundation on the transportation side that you can use on the logistics side. So I went to work for one of the largest carriers in the world or, or in, the, in the U.S. at that time was J.B. Helms. Went yeah, their management. They're probably the largest in the world. <laughs> exactly. Went through the management training program and was lucky enough to you know, to work out of the corporate headquarters there in Lowell, Arkansas. And I did that. And then Mary was right. I, I pivoted right from there to straight into logistics, working for a company. Everybody knows these blue pallets they see called Chep Pallets. And I worked at Chep. And then that's where I got my logistics foundation. And then just went on through my career. But where, and, and I started, there was a, um, there was something I kept seeing is the technology in each company, right? And you and I were talking right before we, we jumped on the on this podcast in, in the recording and talking about the old green screen AS400. Right. And so that's where I got introduced to yeah. AS400. It was uh, you know pretty much a, a routing solution. that said, okay, I've got this origin and destination. I've got my OD pair. Here are the three carriers on the lane. Choose the cheapest carrier. Tender it off via EDI. Come back. If they didn't accept it within the window or they rejected it, it would do the waterfall approach. It roll to the next one, et cetera. So I looked at that and I I got fascinated with technology. And then one day I got a phone call from, you know, uh, from a recruiter, which we called headhunters back then and uh, said, Hey, what do you know about SAP? And I said, who's SAP? And uh, I said, hang on a minute. And um, at the time, I was now my wife, but we were dating, and she worked at a company called Oracle. And I asked her and her friends. I said, "I remember hold the phone, right?" It's back before cell phones. And I said, "Hey, who, who's SAP?" And they all boo. And I'm like, "Oh, okay, yeah, I'll take the job." <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, I jumped into the SAP arena, got certified, and really that's where I went into the next evolution of technology from the standpoint of now we're talking about ERPs, right? So I became a consultant. Road Warrior, went on the road, did all that, worked at, Worked at in consulting for several years, and then was lucky enough to join Mitch Wesley and team at a startup called G-Log, which is now Oracle Transportation Management. Um, and so yeah. I was there for 11 years, basically, because you look at the four at G-Log and then the seven at Oracle, and that's where really my foundation was around TMS. And then it moved on through other aspects of my career, worked for Mercury Gate, Trimble, and then most importantly, um, some other consulting companies. And then I just finished up the stint at G- at uh, Project 44. Oh, you've been, been at all the Blue Bloods, the new Blue yeah. Bloods too. Yeah. So uh, I did four years at Project 44, amazing run there, building their partnership ecosystem. And then I think the other highlight I'll note is I just finished my executive MBA in global supply chain from University of Tennessee. And so. How long did they take you? I'm just curious. It was 11 months. So you take a two year MBA program, pack that into 11 months and you go and you travel. So we went to you do these RPs, which are your residence periods. Uh, you do four of those where you're on site on campus, but two of those are international. So we get to go to Panama. And so if you check my LinkedIn. You'll see that I'm, I filmed a I filmed a, a thing from uh, uh, Panama Canal. Did that for Project Forty Four. We were actually tracking containers on one of the ships that was coming through. Nice. And then the uh, second uh, second international piece we got to do was in Hamburg, Germany. Uh, studying at Kuna Logistics University, and yes, that is that does have a lot to do with uh, K and Kuna Nagle. So one of the other big players. Yeah. So we were very fortunate, very fortunate to get to do that. And I, and I graduated in December, and I think during that eleven months, that's kind of lit the fire under me to because I started. I, I kept seeing these same. Challenges that people were facing. Hey, I don't really understand what my technology roadmap should be. I really do not understand what technology solutions I should buy. These are the problems I'm facing. And so that kind of lit a fire into me to say, Thomas, you need to go out and start your own consulting company. You need to go help people. And so that's where we are. Yeah, and by the way, one of the things I feel strongly
0: about now, and I've, I've, I've noticed this, I, I'm on the podcast, but I've also advised... Um, large shippers on selecting 3PLs. I've advised shippers on managing their 3PLs. And I've also worked with a lot of 3PLs and brokers, helping them grow their business, especially digitally. And one of the challenges I've noticed is, and I've talked about on the podcast, is let's just say you are a big company and you haven't picked a new 3PL or a new technology in 25 years. You've been working with somebody. And then somebody says, well, yeah, Tom Tom Deacons and Joe Lynch picked that 3PL but both those guys are long gone and we haven't done it in a long time and we we're not aware of what the market's doing so you could easily meet with a sales guy selling and not that there's a lot of people way behind but there are people who are selling something that might not be the right fit or maybe they're a generation behind on the tech and they convince you this is it this is it uh, and you're you're like, this is a very impressive PowerPoint presentation, and the demo was great. We're going to buy it. Was it the best? Probably not, because you didn't know what the market was doing. So I think shippers are really, especially the larger ones who haven't done it in 20 years. They might have gotten a transportation management system 20, 30 years ago, and... They were considered a leader at that time because they were investing in that technology. Now they might be lagging, <laughs> right? And try they have nobody on staff who's knows what's going on in the market. And so, and I'm not. This isn't all about you, but this is why they need outside guidance and people like yourself who say, "Look, I know what's going on in the market."
1: Yeah, I think that's the, and, and you hit it. You hit it perfectly there, Joe. And and I think it's it's one of those things where. Uh, two things I see. One is that a company will say that and then they'll be like, okay, we need to go to, the, we need to find out what are the other solutions that are out there. How do we get that information? And you can go out, you can get Magic quadrants, you can, you know, you, you can subscribe to those to those uh, services. You can go and you can bring in, you know, the large consulting companies and then you can just have your people go off and do research and go to conferences and, and things of that nature. But Again, a lot of that takes time and money. And the way I look at it is you're you're also hoping
0: you're educating yourself properly, but maybe you aren't. Maybe you're missing right. something. And there's always a new thing on the horizon with the technology, right? That's what we're talking about the technology roadmap. We all heard about visibility a lot. Well, there's still a lot of companies who just don't have the visibility they should. And meanwhile, the next group and the next hot thing seems to be AI and machine learning. I guarantee you, a big chunk of the market's not using that dynamic pricing is what the leaders do, but there's a lot of people who are uh, not doing it. So you could talk to somebody and they could bring you a great solution that doesn't talk about any sort of simulations or machine learning or AI or any of that, or even a visibility that's up to date. They could bring you last year's visibility solutions, but well, not last year's, we'll call
1: it three or year, four years ago, visibility yeah. solutions. Exactly. And again, I think that goes back to what's your strategy? And so that's what companies really need to look at and say, okay, what, what's my strategy? What's my end game? And most importantly, these solutions are going to give you a lot of data. And the question is, what are you going to do with that data? But do you have a good data strategy before you even start to buy these solutions? Because if you go and invest in these solutions, this we're not talking about small small amounts of money because the time you think of the people involved the time and everything and then you implement a solution that you think is the greatest solution around and you have a bad data strategy guess what you have a bad outcome
0: your debt garbage in garbage out right and that you mentioned that
1: implementation that
0: implementation for larger shippers is moving from uh, some existing system maybe it's just excel i doubt it but it's probably some uh, another system that is being said hey we're we're no longer, no longer using you we got some advice Tom, thomas deakin's moving us over to, to this well not everybody wants to play ball at that point when hey let, let's move your data over i've i've experienced it where you know little malicious compliance i'll call it <laughs> <laughs> And so it's not any it's the transitions, you know, if it's just data and just systems, that's great. But we're moving freight. So it can't be, well, yeah, we took a few months off to do this implementation. No, 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 no. We are rewiring this airplane on the in the air between New York and LA. There is <laughs> we're gonna land, we're gonna do it right. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's right, and I, and I think the other thing too is um, you made it a point. I made a point about Excel. I still think that's the number one TMS that's out there, <laughs> but there are there are a lot. You're right though. A lot of companies moving to the moving technology and then moving to the cloud, and with with that, it's a big effort, right? Now a lot of a lot of technology companies say, "Oh no, we can do that easily," or or consulting companies say, "We can do that," and they can. They've got methodologies to do that. But the question again is, do you have the right data strategy? What are you doing with the data? And most importantly, how's that going to impact your business? And is that a positive impact a negative impact or is it neutral? And I think you have to look at all that before you just go out and say, yeah, I'm going to go buy, you know, this platform and it's going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread and we're going we're gonna, to, you know, have this great competitive advantage over our competitors. Well, hopefully that's the end game, but at the same time, you've got to look across this and... And, and make sure that you understand what the impact is to the business. Because a lot of times people go and buy technology, they come back and say, okay, we bought this package, now business, you conform to this. It, normally, what I'm seeing now, it's the business being involved, making these decisions, and IT is involved as well because they in procurement. But the, it's really the business is getting the big impact. And so the business needs to be involved in buying the software or choosing the software right right and again this this we're
0: talking about kind of some of those larger shippers who might not have by the way some of them are not moving voluntarily they're moving because their tms got bought by another tms and day one the the new the the acquiring company said don't worry thomas we got you covered we're going to support you over there on your with your on-premise system don't worry <laughs> And then after like a year, they're like, Tom, I'm sorry, (laughs) we're moving moving you to the cloud. And that might be millions of transactions. It's not an easy thing. And at that point, a a lot of shippers are saying, well, if I'm going to go through this major upset to my business, I might as well look around and see, do I actually want to work with the company that acquired my old TMS? Are they actually the leaders? And maybe they are, but you're going to go through... You're going to go through the pain and suffering of that transition one way or another, so you might as well consider is there another is there another system that I should be using, another TMS or WMS or whatever it might be?
1: That's the perfect time to to shop around and, and, and look at look at everything that's out there because maybe the other guys are easier to use and have functionality that you needed that you you know you never had so uh, yeah, and that's why uh, people like me exist.
0: Yes, exactly. So I want to talk a little bit. We talked about the kind of the established players are out there and they've created technology and they have blue chip customers because they've been around a while and they've done a fantastic job. And then we have all these startups and a lot of the startups are using uh, the next generation of coders and coding and and they have a whole different perspective, uh, which is good, right? They, they, they grew up with technology, so they, the technology they're developing is being developed much differently than we might have done it 30 years ago where somebody would have been very rare back then. That was back when tech was not even co- a cool job to have. <laughs> so now these three, uh, these startups, and by the way, I do talk to startups a lot on my podcasts, and they're, they're startups for a reason. They saw a hole in the market so they think there they think there's an opportunity and most of them most of them have some customers or I wouldn't be talking to them and that means that that uh, they've got some market fit but they also have their own challenges so talk a little bit about some of the challenges you see when you talk to some of these startups in the tech space who are trying to attract business
1: yeah so i've been i'm fortunate to be working with a couple of a uh, couple of those right now companies that are you know, technology companies and supply chain freight tech that'll be uh, eventually coming out hopefully and and they're looking at that saying you know what what's our strategy and their technology is disrupted and what i mean by that is it's doing exactly what you said it they found a, a better better way to do things from a solution to attack a problem and so the, the big things there is number one is making sure that the solution fits the market. Number two, how how does that company look at their go-to-market strategy and where do they really want to play in the market? Because you could say, oh, I'm going to go talk to every enterprise shipper, but then I also want to talk to mid, I want to serve the mid market and I want to serve the SMBs. Well, coming out of the gate, I don't think that's a good strategy. And I'm going to sell to CPG, food and bev, high tech. All the industrial manufacturing, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's let's find that niche and let's find that area where this solution can solve that problem and let's go and pitch there first, right? And let's go and let's get some early adopters and let's get those category kings. And then, because I will tell you, I tell everyone who's going to buy technology, references are key. And, And so to have those key key customers, those key logos, and actually have documented real world examples of how they're making a difference in solving challenges in their business is huge. So that's the areas I tell them to focus on. And that would be, you know, those are the things that we work through. Yep. So you, you, you tell them you can't be everything
0: to everyone. And when you try, you become nobody to everyone. That's right. You, you basically burn up all your cash. <laughs> <laughs> I worked for a Silicon Valley Company. This goes back a ways, but I lived in the neighborhood and on the same lake, just like seven, eight houses down from me, was like the biggest house in the sub. This and this guy and his wife built this huge house. they all the houses were big, but this was really big. And um I got to know them. I was at a party in this and he's this guy says I work in I work for Silicon Valley Companies. I'm in Michigan. And he said, I joined those companies. Tech companies when they hit an inflection point, and he drew a little graph. He says, and the inflection point is reference customer, and and he said I join, and he said, and I, I'm a great sales guy, and I grow that company, I grow that company right, and he threw another inflection point, and he said, sales manager. When they ask me to be the sales manager or say that I'm getting a sales manager is when. I leave and go to the next company. <laughs> and I was like, why is that? He goes, cause I am a phenomenal sales guy. I don't want to manage others. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to, I won't answer to any, by the way, he would answer to nobody. <laughs> I was <just> remember <laughs> after I joined a company, he was at, he, I said, how many vacation days do we have? And he goes, I don't know. I'm going to go up north. I'm going to do this. I go, no, but how many vacation days? He goes, I don't know what you're asking. I go, we are only allowed a certain amount of vacation days. He goes, really? (laughs) I was like, this guy walks to his own drummer here and marches to his own drummer. But getting back to it, if you can't get to that first inflection point, which is reference customer, good reference customer, working with nobodies won't help you when you walk in to see some somebodies because they're going to say, Great, you're working with uh, a little company that your brother-in-law owns. <laughs> that's not going to do. It's not going to do
1: it for us. No, you got to have those early adopters in tech to to early adopt to your technology solution. And the reason being is because they're going to do a couple things. Like I said, it's validation to the market, but most importantly, it's validation and continuing to help you with your roadmap. So, and then you can prioritize: are these nice to have or must have features? What's the functionality that's needed to go forward? And, and you know, those that's the lifeblood of a of a software company. Yeah,
0: and I think also when you think of these these smaller companies, you know, they they, they got they've gotta get that they gotta get the reference customer, but they also have to and the wrong way to say it. I'll rephrase what I wanna say. The trend seems to be these startups kind of connecting with a, an established player who they want to serve and and letting that established player help them develop that so you know we seem to be moving to more and more founding teams and it seems as if more and more of those founding teams are connected to a, a big company like the Maersks or you know uh big over the road players and and it makes a lot of sense because they can say hey guide us tell us tell us when we're uh getting off the road but also um tell us what you need tell us your problems because that's always going to be a problem for the small guys. You know, Tom, the, the, one of the other challenges they have is if you're 35 years old and you started this company and you're a techie, you probably didn't spend a lot of time working at a trucking company or working at a shipper. And that's one of the challenges you have. You haven't seen the market up and down. So You haven't seen all that. So you need, and you might look at somebody and go, oh, okay, Boomer, I don't need to do this for 30 years to know what I'm talking about true but it, it is helpful to have somebody who's more of a hybrid who says i understand the tech but i also understand ops <laughs> oh sales. it's very important
1: <laughs> it's very important like it's, so i mean in that situation if you were you know coming up with a pro you had a solutions that solves a process or makes a process easier to ship to ship freight and you need to understand what what are the nuances of shipping freight, right? Let's say, for instance, you had a better you have a better mousetrap for an LTL solution. Have you ever been to an LTL dock? Have you ever gone to a break bulk and actually track the freight, watch the freight go through, and all the handoffs? So, you, spot on, Joe. I, I I think I think a lot of the companies, tech companies, they've got the experience, they've got that domain experience from a standpoint of yes, they can code. They're putting on the latest and greatest. They're either on Google or Azure or or whatever the platform, and they've got all the engineers, but they don't have the domain experience from logistics or transportation supply chain.
0: Yeah, and by the way, you're probably one of the early hybrids, and when I say hybrids, I mean guy who has actually been an ops guy and lived that life but also lived the life of a techie because there's a lot of people who might be really good at operations. There's nothing wrong with that or another guy's be really good at technology but we more and more have to have that um, that hybrid guy who says or hybrid gal who says yeah I've done both I I understand the technology and I understand I understand the technology but I also was an operator so I understand that you know ultimately somebody has to load freight into a truck and move it or put stuff on a ship to move that ship across the ocean that <laughs> doesn't all happen with tech
1: <laughs> no and that you know and that goes into this week I was a—actually, yeah, sorry, last Friday, I was fortunate enough to go to our local high school here. So I live in the Knoxville area, a little town called Farragut, in Farragut High School, and um, got to go in and speak about supply chain because they have areas of expertise or areas now where you can go and you can, you know, take electives. And so let's say you're on a business track through the high school because they're making it like an academy, and supply chain is one of those focuses which I think is the coolest thing in the world because you as a high school student are now exposed to supply chain and then you can, it helps you with a career path, right? Deciding when you go into college, is that what you want to do? And so I got to speak to the supply chain and I used a diagram to show them. I pulled out my phone and said, where's this phone? And I've got an iPhone and a lot of people said, California. And I said, no, that's where the headquarters of this company is, but let's let's talk about the supply chain. And so we talked about the supply chain. We talked about the components have to go in the phone, but then how the phone ships, right? And we took yarn, and I made every student, so 30 students in the class, and made every student play a role in the supply chain. When we got finished, we had this giant spider web. And <laughs> right. it, it was pretty cool. And then I took my scissors, and I just cut one little area. And I said, oh, we've had disruption. Covid hit China. What happened? And everybody and then we start talking about it and everybody kind of got it. Right. And and I, I was explaining to them, it's kind of like, you know, you're putting a puzzle together. People that are in supply chain, we like to solve problems. It doesn't matter if you're an operator or if you're in tech, you still are trying to solve a problem. And and so hopefully I fired up some students, some high school students to uh, Become that next generation supply chain practice. Yep. practitioner. You mentioned earlier that we didn't use the term supply chain probably till the 90s, but I
0: remember seeing. Well, I have two daughters, so they were talking about. I think Kendall Jenner, one of the Jenners, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> made. She was selling makeup, and she's obviously not making it herself, but it was being made by like a contract manufacturer, and there was these young girls online, teenagers looking online and saying, "Hey, this $35 stuff that she sells is made on the same assembly line in California as this other makeup that sells for 5 bucks." <laughs> and they're kind of pointing out this this is how this works. And I was thinking when I was in high school did I know anything about how stuff was made? I'm in I'm in Detroit. You would think you would know something about where stuff is made, but understanding contract manufacturing and understanding the supply chain in a meaningful way that was not anything and by the way automotive probably is the biggest baddest supply chain on earth it's it still didn't understand it i still say this i joke about it but i remember i got a call from a recruiter kept calling me a supply chain guy and say this company needed a supply chain guy and i was like I don't even know what it is. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> anyway, so we talked. We talked a little bit about some of the big companies and some of the challenges. Or we, we. I take it back. We talked about some shippers, and so shippers when they need to go out and buy, especially big shippers who haven't bought in a long time, or even maybe you're a little shipper who've never bought. But the nature of it, you don't have expertise in house, so you don't know how to go out and buy it. And that's, and again, I'm not an infomercial, but that's where guys like you come in and say, I can help you. I understand how to buy this. We also talked about startups and making sure that they actually understand the market they're selling into and making sure that the cool new tech they develop is going to impress the people it's supposed to impress. So now I want to talk a little bit about the big dogs, the established technology players. And I think we kind of touched on it earlier, but. One of the challenges they have is they are the big dogs. They are established. They are having a lot of success, and a lot of industry leaders are using them. I think the challenge they have is they can get blindsided by the newer technology and say, oh, no, I. Uh, by the way, maybe more, more likely is them to be looking and saying, I, I don't know what you want me to do. I've got this. We're working with the biggest players in the world, and you want me to look over here at somebody who's selling – Something that's not nearly sophisticated, not nearly as good as what we're doing. That's kind of the mentality. But we also know from experience that the young upstarts often displace the big dogs at some point. So talk about some of the challenges those fellas have.
1: Right. I think you hit it. And one of the things is I'll use a football analogy, right? So I'm the quarterback. We'll go with one of the big dogs. So we'll go with Brady or Rogers, right? It, they, and these they used guys, to be the big dogs. They used to be the big dogs, and I'm still <laughs> going to say they anymore. still. Yeah. Well, the Mahomes, Mahomes can do anything, but uh, he can throw it blindfolded, right? But uh, I love those. I love
0: those two guys you mentioned, though. Those. But
1: let's say those guys, right? They've seen it all, right? You're going to throw a, a blitz package at them, and they're going to look. They're going to scan the field. They're going to look at the defense, and they're going to call off the play, call the next audible, and they're going to hit the hot route. And, you know, so if you think about, from that standpoint, the, the the leaders in the space or the big dogs that have been there for a long time, they need to be looking for that blitz. And what is their pivot strategy? And a lot of times, companies, they're not keeping in touch with the market. They're like, oh, yeah, I've got, you know, the, the world's largest retailer and I've got the world's largest CPG company. And, you know, I, everybody should adopt my technology for that reason. Well, there's a reason that we have disruptors that are coming into the industry and those disruptors are, are, are doing well and they're taking market share. And there's also a reason you're seeing the big technology companies are saying, oh gosh, there's only so many enterprise shippers. Now I've got to come down and go to the mid-market and maybe even figure out a way to, to make my solution compatible for the SMB market because they've got to get more market share to drive earnings So you are uh, and adoption. So... Companies that are thinking like that, looking at the market, uh, are going to be the ones that will do well. But I think the other thing is, is are you in touch with your customers? And that's why a lot of companies have these customer advisory boards and they work with those customer advisory boards. But I would say you have to be careful in that because you may have customers who are your customers for 10, 15, 20 years. And they're just driving small little pieces of functionality now where you've got new customers are coming in saying, hey, I've got these new challenges. And if we go back to when COVID hit and shut down supply chains, we're now looking at it from a standpoint of saying, how can companies, and everybody uses the term resilient. Resilient means you're just going to stay alive. You, you can, you, you're good, right? You're not brittle. Exactly. But I like to use the word agile. I'm agile, I can bend, I can, I can, you know, adapt to change quickly and I can do these things and how can I utilize technology to help me, right? So perfect example would have been 100 boats, 100 ships off the West Coast. How do I know where my freight is? What can I do to quickly change and take things through the Panama Canal? So do I have, can my TMS even support that? Do I, ha- how do I get the rates? How do I load those into my system? How can I pivot? How can I? How can I do these things? Oh, instead of shipping ocean, now I've got to go to the air, like most companies did, right? And what's that? What's that impact to the business? And how does my technology work with that? And how can I track my shipments? And how can I make sure that the shipments that I'm I'm going to move have rates, have the right carriers, because downstream it's going to impact freight audit and pay. So. You got to be thinking like that. You got to have technologies that can adapt and allow you to become agile. And I think that's the that's the big thing. And a lot of lot of uh, lot of companies, technology companies, still can't do that. But we're seeing we're seeing them we're seeing some changes now in messaging and everything. I would also say
0: we've had a mindset change, I believe. And you correct me if I go astray, because I'm I'm the amateur when it comes to the tech. At one time when we brought t- transportation management systems, we thought we solved the world's problems. Here you go. Got a TMS. You're going to be able to get good rates. Life is good. I saved your life. Congrats. Now we realize that's got to be connected to some other systems. And let's just say I have a transportation management system that that does seven or eight functions, and they do them pretty well. That was the old model is I, you, you only need one thing. Well, now it seems that people say, well, that's cool. I love your TMS, Thomas, but I'm also going to connect to Project 44. Oh, yeah, that, that, that'll be quick. We'll just, that'll only take uh, $50,000 in 17 weeks. <laughs> and you go, whoa, 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 no. Uh, the guy down the street built his TMS to connect to other, other technologies like Project 44. He'll turn it me on overnight. Or green screens with dynamic pricing. You have to have that connectivity. Some of the older systems are fantastic, but I suspect they're in, in developed in a time where they didn't expect that somebody was going to say, there's a best in class dynamic pricing tool like green screens that I want to plug in or a visibility tool like Project 4 that I want to plug in. And, and by the way, those are just two. There's a dozen more that I want to plug in. And those companies, I don't know. You tell me if I'm wrong. I don't think that that existed when they developed their systems originally. And I don't know that they're built completely for that today.
1: Well, no, they're not. And so what you're seeing is companies that are now pivoting to creating APIs and they're working on the underpinnings of their architecture, right? So they're going back in and having to make adjustments to their platforms to open that up to be able to take that data in much easier. So I know a couple of the top TMSs that are out there today that have been around for a very long time, and you know they're doing that same thing, right? So they're creating APIs to allow you to be able to connect those companies like the Project 44s, uh, the green screens, and, and just uh, you know a lot of the others that are out there. Forever, it's always been integration is the longest pole in every implement- implementation tent. But now, if I have connections out of the box, then a lot of that work is removed and I can just get into the whole back to my point of what's the data look like? What's the data going to be transferred? Yes, do, I yes. have, do I have the right fields mapped and I'm going to have the right amount of data to come over and make sure my transaction works in that other system? So that's where the value is. And I would tell you this, when I was, I always said that data is like fuel. And if I think about it from this analogy, I go out and I buy this sports car. And I go out and buy this, you know, really nice BMW, and I pay a ton of money for this. And I can only use this analogy for a couple more years because everybody's going to go electric, right? Probably and, not. Uh, <laughs> I know I'm, I'm, I'm being, I, I'm just I'm being silly. So I pull up to the gas, I gas, and it says, "Oh, 93 octane only for this car, because it the engine needs that." And I put 93 octane in. And I get out on the highway and I press the accelerator and I hear the engine purr and I take off and I get the performance I'm supposed to get, right? Pull back up to the gas pump. I put 87 in. And my engine, you know, doesn't give me that output. And so that that data is like fuel. And that data from third-party systems around, so let's say those peripheral systems feeding that TMS, they make that TMS more valuable right. and it helps a company get a better ROI and most importantly, a better solution. And I'm saying, I'm still a big believer that if you implement technology the right way, it can become a competitive edge for your company and put you above your competitors. Right.
0: And, and by the way, when I mention these guys can sometimes, you know, they, they established players, the big dogs as we call them. They still are creating great products and and they are they aren't stupid they hire a ton of people and what they do have is they have good people they have resources so when they decide we're going to go solve this problem and it might be we're going to redesign our 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 system on a new system new uh, coding platform or whatever they put their minds to they can do it and yeah, i think more and more you're seeing companies they've noticed what's happened to the top dogs in other industries there's and you look at automotive and say what you will about Tesla. But Tesla came in and for a long time, everyone just said, that's nonsense. That makes no more. I'm in Detroit. It made no sense. Now you look at the market cap that says that Tesla is worth more than all the big three. Probably won't stay that way because it's just a car. But they've done some wonderful things in technology that others said they couldn't be done. And so I think over time, you've seen these bigger players partner with smaller players. They bring in people like yourself who are in touch with the market. And say, hey, where were, where are we missing? And so there, it's not as if they can't adapt. It's not as if they can't. They have money. They have good people. They also have uh, market market uh, acceptance. So no, this the old thing is nobody gets fired for uh, buying Xerox, right, or IBM. So there's a lot of companies that say we've been around for a long time. We do a good job. We're going to do this right for you. And even if it's not the
1: latest and greatest tech, a lot of people say it's the safe tech. Right. And it is. And I think there's two things you have to look at on that. One is that if they're going to go with a strategy and go to the latest architecture, or they're going to get to a point and say, build those APIs and allow, allow that data to flow as we talked about, that is, there's time associated to that. So you have to think about that, and you have to think about the disruptors coming in and being able to take some market share there. The second piece is that, you know, as you said earlier, it's a battleship. I'll say it's an aircraft carrier, and sometimes it's really hard to turn these things. And so, again, time. The question is, can your customers wait? Probably, but maybe not. It just depends on the solution that's needed. Uh, but a lot of these big guys, they have the capability to go buy the disruptors. Exactly. And we've seen that. We've seen that in the market. We've seen companies coming in, buying other TMSs Or investing in them. Or investing in them. Right. Either either or. So, you know, there's there's a dynamic that we're seeing there as well. But if I go back to the one of saying, Okay, I'll go buy my competitor, then I'll take their customers and I'll just use the and I'll just, you know, run this platform then eventually run make them move over You know, there's that strategy and I'll get the maintenance off them and and those things. But then there's the piece, like you said, or invest in them and eventually buy them. Right. So it's kind of like I'll partner and then I'll acquire.
0: So. So, Thomas, I want to wrap this bad boy up and I'm going to summarize the best thing. Oh, by the way, you mentioned API. Guys, I, I, I joked about this on a podcast from a few years ago. I hear terms like API always thrown around. So the EDI was the way we used to connect. Systems used to share EDI. And some systems still do, and that's not going away anytime soon. But API is the newer way, and I, I've, I've I've used this analogy, and I think I was right. EDI is when the waitress comes to my table, takes my order, and takes that back to the cook, and the cook makes my food, and then she brings it back. That's EDI, where it's just kind of that that linear. Where API is more of always on, so it's like I'm sitting at the counter. And the cook is right there making my food, and we're talking back and forth. And so we're always going to have, from from what I understand, Thomas, API is where a lot of the newer companies are at. EDI is where
1: some of the older systems are still using, right? They are, absolutely. And I think another way to put that would be you know, it used to be you'd be walking through the airport, you'd stop, you're going to eat, and like you said, a server would come up, take your order. But now everybody has these at the kiosk and they have these ipads and you go and you order off the ipad and the next thing you know your food just shows up and you know so so it's it's that it but you're right api is just a so much faster way to transmit the information edi goes usually in batches and it takes hours up to days and
0: we're not going to get rid of it anytime soon because a lot of big companies are using it and um, I think, sure. by the way, I have my friend uh, Jonathan Kish on my podcast from Orderful. And Orderful has created an EDI integration platform. So they are connected to all the EDIs everywhere. So if you're a consumer brand and you just got some business with a big retailer that happens to use EDI, in the olden days, they, someone would say, oh, well, that integration connecting us to your, old, your EDI, it's going to take a while. With Orderful, it's like, it'll take like right now. So a lot of technology companies are starting to use it, but also a lot of retailers and 3PLs are starting to use it. I'll put a link to that podcast in the show notes. But anyway, I want to I wrap this bad boy up. I want to get your final thoughts on this. But So we talked today, the Freight Tech Roadmap, with my friends Thomas Deakins. And we talked about kind of three areas where the technology roadmap is, is uh, maybe uh, got a little bump in the road. And one is startups that they're trying to understand where they fit in the world. And they want to make sure that there's actually a market and a a growth strategy that takes us forward. Uh, We also talked about shippers, especially large shippers, but it could be small also. How how are you going to select that three? How are you going to select maybe a three PL or how are you going to select a TMS or both? And the problem is you don't know what you're looking at. Every sales guy that you see. Convinces you we are the one, <laughs> but that's not the right way to buy. That's not the right way to buy uh, software. It's not the right way to pick your three PL. And then the last thing we just talked about was was these big established players who have done so much in the market and want to continue owning that market. And so, what do they need to do to stay relevant to make sure that they are not being outflanked by some uh, small startup with a ton of VC money? So, Thomas Deacon's, Give us your final thoughts on this topic. Well, I, again,
1: I, I thank you for allowing me to come on your podcast today, share my thoughts and and talk about what's going on. I, I You know, for me, uh, again, the big thing is just making sure companies are thinking about this from a standpoint. If I look at it from the shipper standpoint, understanding the technology you need, but most importantly, having your data strategy, your data foundation first, and then getting to the the point of, yes, we're ready to go and make that technology solution. What's the business impact and understanding that? And that's where I come into play to help. And then the second piece is obviously working with technology companies and helping them understand the market that they're trying to address. And again, that's that's where I'm working with some companies as well. And I will put a, a, will note also that it's not just TMS, right? It's WMS, it's YMS, WMS, CRP, uh, visibility it's- systems, everything. And I'm fortunate enough to be working with a client right now who's looking at uh, TMS and visibility platforms. Um, I might know a few things about TMS and visibility, but I think we're going to continue to see that, right? Uh, We're going to continue to see companies evolving their strategies and really seeing them, how they're going to use that data. And I'm seeing more and more companies taking that data upstream all the way into supply chain planning. And looking at it, saying, how can I use this data to make better decisions? Uh, Because the old way was just, you know, I I planned based on a forecast. And now I really want to understand where my inventory is in the supply chain. And I can do a lot better planning there. So we're just seeing, I think the cool cool thing is we're seeing a lot of companies evolve across the space. And we'll continue to see that. And the next big wave will be, um, as we talked about earlier. AI and ML and how that comes into play and and um, what's the what's the impact of that? Right, I
0: love how quickly things are changing. It's it's ever moving, and again, I I think so many of us who brought TMS to a shipper, uh, the first time that they never saw one, ever never saw it before, they were shocked. I I told I told people on my podcast. I remember showing people at TMS where they were waving people into the room. I was like Steve jobs for the day. And then a few years later (laughs) you bring that same TMS to another shipper and they're like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah. Our our current guy does that. And you're like, yeah, you don't understand. I'm Steve jobs. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, exactly. That's how quickly things are
1: changing. And anyway, Thomas, so you're, who do you work with? Who's your sweet spot? So right now it's um, it's, up and coming technology companies in the space, and then I'm also working with some shippers on making you know, technology um, procurement. so making decisions on what technology they're going to buy specifically in the supply chain tech. so but i I feel like I can work with you know pretty much anyone in regard if they're in in the supply chain standpoint related to tech. Yeah related tech and then one of the one of the other things that i'm working on too is around sustainability that was the backbone of my mba for my organizational action project so i actually partnered with the university of tennessee professor to create a sustainability fleet sustainability index that will allow you to measure your co2 output for all the the motor carriers that are out there so if you compare the index that we created versus the index that's out there today, which would be right. EPA SmartWay program, we're 166 time 166 lar- times larger than the Smart Way program. So this index is something I think is beginning to take off, and so I'm going to continue to work with that as well. Yep. Well, I did notice I'm 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 going to see
0: it manifest in a few weeks, and yeah, I look forward to seeing you. Though. When I was buying my airline ticket to go there, I noticed that on Google flights, it says, here's the price, but then it also said, here's the emissions. It's 10% more emissions or 10% less emissions. And I do think we're going to start seeing more and more people trying to measure that the impact, because 80% of the greenhouse gases come from the supply chain, and a big chunk of that comes from over-the-road transportation. I think think total greenhouse gases is 5% from just trucking. And we're going to be asked by our customers, "How do you? How do you? How are you going to help me become more sustainable?" So it's it's that all always important. And you know, it's also we also have some challenges here because I don't think I think we're start all starting to get a sense that the electric vehicles are not going to be the silver bullet. And surprise, surprise, just because the government told us it's not going to be, a, <laughs> maybe they don't know
1: everything. God, did you? Ever, no, that it, can't be right. really. <laughs> I, I think I, I, I'll note one other thing on that. It's actually uh, Joe. It's it's actually ninety percent of the of emissions greenhouse gases. yeah. so it's yes, it's ninety percent. It's, it's the ten percent you can't control, and it's the um, and it's the scope or ninety percent you can't control. The ten percent you can. And it's the scope three emissions, and the other the other big thing on that is, is that yes, it is over the road, but it's also marine. And a lot of the big companies like Maersk and APL and uh, CMA and all, all the others are, you know, looking at ways to mitigate that as well. But we're also seeing that on the on the trucking industry, right? So if you look at the the, the big manufacturers, especially your engine manufacturers, you know, they're looking at it from a standpoint saying make improvements as well. And I think we'll continue to see that. You know, yes. uh, we won't we won't have electrification on the on the on the entire motorway supporting the so supporting the motor because if we do we'll kill the we'll kill the electric grid.
0: <laughs> well, I've also read that um I think McKinsey came out and said we would have to open up 500 new mines worldwide. So the oh. even if that even if that that truck or that car went down the road and said, "Hey, there's zero emissions." Opening up 500 mines worldwide is an enormous mining is a very uh, <laughs> A business that impacts the environment, let's just say that. So, excellent. So what I'll do is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile. I'll put a link to your company, your website, and any other links you give me. And people can reach reach out and talk to you. And I really appreciate you taking the time. But before we go, I want to talk to, I want you to recommend somebody for my podcast. Who would you
1: recommend come on my podcast? A smart young man or woman like yourself. Depends on the topic. But a friend of mine who I worked with on a lot of the sustainability components, I think it'd be Christian Pillar. Christian, he's coming so on my podcast. Yes. <laughs> he is, so you know, yep. Christian. So, yep. All right, i so talking to him later today, so that's perfect. That's awesome. Yeah, Christian. Christian is uh, Christian, and I worked together for a few years, and Christian just, yeah, he, he's got a lot of experience in the industry. You know, he's worked for, on the shipper side, the carrier side, and then uh, he really in tune with what's going on in sustainability as well. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much.
0: I will reach out and talk to him. And thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I really appreciate what you had to share today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And uh, you know, uh, I look forward to seeing you at Manifest. Yes. Excellent. Thank you. (laughs) And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support is very much appreciated. Until next time, Onward and Upward.